You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. James, guess what day it is? It's time for the weekend mailbag. I don't know what day it is because it depends on what day people are listening, but it's weekend mailbag day. That is the correct answer. It's weekend mailbag day. I'm Jake. He's James. We are together with our powers united. Captain, uh, the Locked On Bengals podcast. That's right, right? What? <laughs> you, you never watched Captain Planet, James? I know what you're talking about. No, I didn't. Is that, is that like a crazy revelation? I didn't watch that. I thought every kid watched Captain Planet. Saw a couple episodes, but no, it wasn't. Uh, I'm young, man. I'm 29. I'm like William Jackson entering my prime. Little baby. Now pay, me. now pay me, Jake. Pay me. We will talk about William Jackson with Doug Farrar. That's coming your way in a couple of days early next week. Looking forward to that one. James, for the mailbag today, let's get on track here with a very easy Football-related question. Wait, not football-related question at all to start. This comes from Hot Takes at My Hot Takes. What are the top three fruits, James? Well, kiwis up there, baby. Kiwis really, really good. You you find some good kiwis. That's one of them. Raspberries. Oh, baby, if you can get good raspberries, I don't know if there's anything better than those. And then my third. See, I like a lot of fruit. If I had to pick just one. I guess I would say cherries. I, if you get a good batch of cherries, and they're expensive, man, by the pound, you're, you're paying a lot in the Midwest for some cherries. But I, I think those are the three. But Granny Smith apples are up there. Uh, you got those mandarin oranges. I mean, I could eat fruit all day. And I told you about how hungry I was before the podcast started. And now you've got me talking about fruit. So those are my, those are my three. That question was just for you. I, I, for me, blueberries really good, good fruit. Too. I like I like the blueberry especially they, they I find that they're highly variable in in their taste. Uh, one blueberry to the next blueberry can be very different. Uh strawberries a perfect strawberry is really really good at all times and mango. I really like mangoes. What? <laughs> you don't eat mangoes? They're fine. I don't know. I just, I don't even know if they're in my top 10. Like, I don't know if they're on the draft board. Just saying. Oh, yeah. For sure for me. Do you eat kiwis with the skin on them? I've tried it, but not. You scoop them out. You, get a, you cut them in half and scoop them out with a, a spoon, man. That's the way. I eat them with the skin on them. It's healthier. It's, it's healthier. Look at you. Jake, the, the health whiz, as I'm starving and you're just tempting me with all these awesome fruits. All right. All right. Now, all right. Let's talk about football. Jack. At Alpaca Death Trap, he wants to know <laughs> Alpaca Death Trap. That's his that's his name on Twitter. Oh my god. James is losing it today, guys. Yeah, it's we're, a hell of a mailbag. We're we're gonna get through this together though. Jack wants to know where does Xavier Suafilo fit into the offensive line picture next year? Well, I mean, he, there's a chance he could start, and it might not be what Jack wants to hear, Bengals fans want to hear, but if you're Xavier Suafilo and the Bengals go out and get uh, a starting right guard, right, or any starting guard, and they draft a guard, even if it's on day two of the draft, because it won't be day one unless they trade back a lot, 
then you're still looking at a, a shot to compete for a starting job. So I think he has got a shot to start. Uh, I don't think he's a, a cap casualty, the same way we mentioned B.J. Finney at the drop of a hat when we're talking about cap space. And he's certainly, at worst, a solid backup guard. And that's what I think he was anyways, right? And, that, and, and if you sign him to be that at $3 million a year, that's fine. And and so I, I think it's certainly a backup. I, I think he certainly makes a team. And there is a chance that he could still compete for a starting job, even though it might not seem as likely a few weeks from now after we see what they do in free agency. Xavier Suofil is really interesting to me because he's a guy that the coaching staff and, and a lot of people talk about from a from a build perspective, from a style perspective, is this run game mauler type of guy. But he's been better in pass protection both of the last two years than he has been as a run blocker. So if you want a guy who's going to go in there and be better than average as a pass blocker, Xavier Suofilo, in given limited snaps, did that for the Bengals last year. So if he needs to start, that's probably okay if you've improved the other positions around him. As far as the cap cut that a lot of people are talking about, we talk about B.J. Finney because he didn't get on the field last year. He didn't even get on the active roster last year on game day. Maybe he did a couple games. And he's a he's a free $3.5 million cap cut with no dead money. For Xavier Suofilo, they would save money about $2.5-ish million if they cut him. But he only has a $3 million cap hit. I think that's in line for a backup guard anyway. And if he can be a spot starter, which he's certainly capable of, I'm not mad at that. Xavier Suofilo, for me, should be part of the team next year, but he shouldn't be the best guard on the team. Let's stick with the offensive line here as we roll on with the mailbag. Kyle Schobel at Shoby underscore snacks with two X's asks, given his issues in Tennessee, how would you look at Isaiah Wilson as a potential addition? What would you give up? What would it take salary-wise? Or would you even bother? I was looking at this earlier because another host on the Locked On Podcast Network, Luke, Luke Braun, who does the, the Vikings podcast, quote tweeted the Isaiah Wilson stuff and said, I'd throw a seventh rounder at this. And I quote tweeted him and said, yeah, I think probably most teams should be interested with a late round pick. And Andre Perota, a noted Twitter Bengal salary cap expert, points out to me in a subsequent tweet that there might not even be any guaranteed money left on his deal. Most rookie contracts are 100% guaranteed for drafted players. And that would be the case for Isaiah Wilson, too. But he had a DUI address uh, uh, arrest that may have voided his guarantees. So any team inheriting that contract, no matter what, is only on the hook for salary. Any signing bonus it stays with Tennessee. So if that salary is still guaranteed, you are inheriting some, some guaranteed first round salary, but that's pretty minimal risk. If you bring him in and he doesn't fit, you can either try to trade him again for a seventh round pick or so. So whatever team takes him from there gets that guaranteed salary, then you have no dead cap. Or if you can't find a taker, even for a seventh round pick, you just cut him and you take a minimal dead cap hit. It's really low risk. So I wouldn't offer more than like a seventh, probably, maybe two sevenths. But to me, that's like a very low risk move. And if it doesn't work out, then you can just get rid of him. Obviously, you do a little bit of due diligence first. You try to talk to the guy and find out where he's at. But there was a reason he was picked in the first round. Maybe he wasn't actually meant to go in the first round from a scouting profile, but he did. So there's some traits there that you like. And if you can get him for cheap, it's worth exploring. Bengals have two seventh round picks. You mm -hmm. know, if 
if five months ago I would have said, hey, they're going to turn Carlos Dunlap into Isaiah Wilson, or six months ago I would have said that, I think a lot of people would have been like, huh, well, that's interesting. And I think he might have been in play. This is the crazy part. And, and probably not over T because the Bengals were shocked that T was there. But I think Wilson was certainly someone they probably discussed at pick 33 last year. And so, yeah, if you can get him for a late round selection or both seventh round picks that you have, why not do it? Why not roll the dice on a guy that at worst would have been a day two pick in last year's draft and and certainly could potentially be an upgrade young guy. Um, and, and we've talked about it before with, with getting acclimated to the NFL uh, from a lineman perspective and all that stuff. Maybe it doesn't work right away, but as long as he's clean off the field, and by that I mean not getting DUIs and not doing donuts and not wrecking cars and, and being immature and going out and getting COVID twice. Like it, he had a, a awful rookie season. I mean, it's just a nightmare. Uh, as long as he's not doing that, then you can give him some time uh, to develop. And, and that's what the, the Bengals need. If they're going to revamp this offensive line, they're going to have to get lucky. And that doesn't necessarily mean take a chance on a bunch of guys like this, but He's a high-end talent, and he was he was drafted much, much higher, and you might be able to get him on the cheap, so why not be interested? We have plenty more in today's mailbag. One segment down, two to go. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football is over, but you can bet on the NFL draft prop bets galore, whether it's Jamar Chase and him potentially being the first wide receiver pick. You could bet on Penny Sewell and plenty of other draft bets. Plus... The NBA, college hoops, NHL, all in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. They have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. So go there right now, betonline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, go there right now. Don't delay. You can do it on your cell phone, your laptop, PC, whatever you got. Go to betonline.ag, promo code locked on, and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. The weekend mailbag rolls on, and Earl Michelle chiming in. Earl Michelle16 on Twitter with the talk of reuniting Chase and Burrow. Has there been a quarterback and wide receiver duo from college play together in the NFL and do well? This is actually exceedingly rare. Despite how often fans love to say stuff like, yeah, draft Joe Burrow in the first round and go get Jefferson in the second round if he's available, which he wasn't, and maybe the Bengals would have made that pick, or draft Joe Burrow and then go get his guy, Jamar Chase, next year, and now that we're at next year, everyone's like, oh, look at what they did, did together, reunite them. This just doesn't happen very often, especially with first-round premier players. They, they often are coming out in the same draft class, for one. And if Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are in the same draft class, they're probably both going in the top 10. So I, I did do a little bit of research. I went back and looked. Rex Grossman and Jabbar Gaffney ended up on the same team for a few years. Uh, Jay Cutler, after he got traded with Earl Bennett, those two guys were together at Vanderbilt. And you can kind of see where I'm going here. This this doesn't happen very often. And when it does happen, it's often not really high-end players. If you look at guys that aren't starting, uh, Ricky Stanzi and Tony Moyaki from Iowa ended up on the same team. But, I mean, Stanzi obviously never made it in the NFL. So 
that sort of thing does happen a little bit, but I, I didn't find a whole lot of others. And I, I don't know. I, I would be very curious to hear if, if listeners have found other examples of this, but those are the only ones I can find. It just doesn't happen very often. Matthew Stafford and A.J. Green with the Rams this season, Jake. What do you think? 2021. I could see it, man. Dark horse for A.J. It's like a, a rich man's version of the Rex Grossman and Jabbar Gaffney. Oh, my God. You are so disrespectful. I said to at least A.J. I said Richmond. No, to, to to Stafford. At this point in AJ's career, come on. Stafford is by far the better player. Uh, but St- but AJ's got seven Pro Bowls and he's had all these years. And, and you want to tell me, I mean, at his peak and you're comparing him to Jabbar Gaffney. I'm not talking about his peak. Oh. I'm talking about right now. I mean, all I'd right, still well, say... He, it, I still said it's a rich man's version of it. Even right now, Matthew Stafford and AJ Green, I would rather have than than Jabbar Gaffney and Rex Grossman when when they played sure. together. But I mean, AJ at this point, we saw what he is, and and maybe it was the offense, but we saw what he was last year. Who would you rather have, Rex Grossman and Jabbar Gaffney when they were together in in NFL playing shape, or today 2021 version of Carson Palmer and Chad Johnson. I'll take 2021 version, baby. Let's roll. We roll in 85 still open. I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know what kind of shape uh, Carson's in, but Chad definitely stays in shape. That arm is good. That arm. Come on now. Brett Favre could still throw it, you know? So Carson's good. He can still throw it. Carson did have a golden arm. Our next question comes from Stephen H at Stephen Hagen three on Twitter. Based on the free agents that are available, have you guys ranked them in order of preference for the offensive line? As much as I want Joe Tooney to come home, in quotes, I really think a free agent tackle to play on the right side opens up the draft. Sure. I totally feel this way. Taylor Moten obviously is a guy that you would put at the top of the list if he gets there. Trent Williams, another guy top of the list. That would be my top target because I just think he's the best player and I don't think Moten's going to be there. Um, after that, it's Daryl Williams for me and then Joe Tooney, right? And and then Brandon Scherf. So if I, if I had to go realistic, because I do think Trent Williams is unrealistic whether or not they should go for him, I'd go like Daryl Williams because he is a tackle and I think he is an upgrade. And then Brandon Scherf, Joe Tooney, any of those three, but if they were all available and I could pick Trent Williams and, and Taylor Moten would both be at the top of that list. I would also throw a name out that was released. I think last week, it might've been this week. I don't know. Time sometimes is a blur. Rick Wagner from mm-hmm. Green Bay, right? Tackle. Yeah, late last week. Yep. Yeah. I, I, we, we didn't talk about this at all. So it's, it's good that this comes up now. He's a very solid tackle. There are rumors that he's mulling over retirement. But if he is available in free agency, he was still good for Green Bay last year. And it makes sense. Not even a cop pick that you'd have to give up if the Bengals somehow are playing in cop picks, which they shouldn't be. Not this year. But, you know, if, if it is something that ends up happening, because there could be a lot of players cut, maybe you can make an entire roster of free agent acquisitions by getting guys that were cut by other teams. If, if guys like Rick Wagner are available. And he'd be solid. He'd be a solid upgrade. At right tackle. Next question. Cincinnati on Twitter asks, who are some guys currently on the roster that you think a majority of Bengals fans are underrating going forward? I think this is a question for you, James, but I'll I'll try because I I think, well, 
because I think that you you I think that you probably have a better grasp on this than I do because to me I think fans generally overrate like everybody. So so who are fans of the team underrating? Uh Josh Tupo. I'll go to my old reliable Josh Tupo, one of my favorite players on the team. I think this guy is a legitimately good player on the interior defensive line. And if you forgot about him, it's time to remember. I'm going to go with the obvious one, and I'm going to get beat up for this, Jake, but I'm going to do it anyway. Randy Bullock is so damn underrated and underappreciated, and I get it because I thought they should have kept Jake Elliott. I would have kept Jake Elliott. I still haven't really let them down or off the hook for that. It makes no sense when you draft a kicker. He was kicking well. Maybe it wasn't as well as Randy Bullock, but it was. But I look at Randy Bullock. He's made 85% of his field goals with the Bengals. I'm not saying he should be back next year. I'm not saying he's clutch. I'm saying he's underrated because 85, that's a nice number in Cincinnati, right? That's like the 69 of Cincinnati. Well, he's a bit underrated. He's made a lot of a lot of kicks. I almost said big kicks. They might not have all been big kicks but he's made a lot of kicks. So put a little respect on Randy's name. Most underrated. All right, man. My calves are cramping right now after saying that. You do you. I'm going to say one other player on a serious note. We talked about him a little bit earlier. Xavier Suofila, who a lot of you are talking about as a cap cut guy, I think actually is like a pretty solid player. So I think that's another one that uh, might be a little bit underrated by Bengals fans. Next question is from Derek at Derek Rogers 1717 on Twitter. And this is for you, Jake. Will you do live streams for the draft like you did last year? Oh, boy, a question for me. Uh, yeah, I think I will. That was a lot of fun last year. We'll, we'll try to pull something together again this year, see how it goes, see how it all lines up. But it was a lot of fun for me. It was a lot of fun for everyone who come, came and hung out. So we'll probably try to do some live programming for the NFL draft again this year. We're going to continue our current programming in the weekend mailbag coming up next. While the Bengals will be trying to maximize their cap and use their draft resources to fix their team, maybe you've got some car repairs to do. And if you're a do-it-yourselfer, rockauto.com has got you covered ranging from air filters to fuel pump assemblies. You name it, they've got it for your make, your model at rockauto.com. And instead of going up to Whatever the big box store is paying extra because they ha- they've got a markup for professionals versus do-it-yourselfers, Rock Auto charges the same prices for everyone, and you won't have to go wait in line for a clerk to look up your car make, your car model. You can do it all yourself on their easy-to-use interface on rockauto.com. So I don't know why you do it any other way. Save yourself some money. Save yourself some time. Go check it out at rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. All right, James, let's wrap up this slap happy weekend mailbag. We're back into it. This question from Ethan Emery. I believe this is the first question from Ethan that we've had in the mailbag. Sometimes I recognize names. Sometimes I don't. Welcome to the mailbag, Ethan. He asks, with regards to the article by Elizabeth Blackburn on the Bengals website, one of the key topics was legacy. What are some of the ideas you think the franchise will do in adding tradition along with honoring players aside from the ring of honor that appears to be likely? Well, one, the the ring of honor alone, it's going to bring the players back and get them into the community and make them feel 
a part of Cincinnati again and get them in front of a, a generations of fans that don't remember, right? Ken Riley. Like I, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to tell you much about Ken Riley. I started covering the team and you get closer to it. And you work in the media and, and you learn. But most 20-somethings didn't know who he was that, that are Bengals fans. They just, they didn't. And, and so that's a problem. So to me, the the biggest thing whether they're in the ring of honor or not, is getting these guys back here, getting a guy like Corey Dillon, who I think was misunderstood at times during his run with the Bengals back here, right? He was this angry guy. Well, I talked to him a couple of years ago during the, the 50th anniversary in person. He had no reason to be nice to me except for he was nice to me while we were on the sidelines and, and just chopping it up a bit. So those are the type of experiences I, I think that that resonate with fans, getting these the former players out here, flying them in from wherever they're at, honoring them. Heck, now we do stuff virtually. Get get them on virtual and, 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 and honor them that way. And I don't mean necessarily ring of honor, but just keep them in the loop. Keep them in the mix. I, I think that that, that aspect matters. And uh, and so that would be the thing for me the, the most that would stand out. I think a lot of fans would say, well, have Anthony Munoz help with the offensive line or have Willie Anderson help with the offensive line or do this or do that. I, I don't want to tell the football people that's what they should do, right? And I do think there needs to be a line there. Um, but if Zach Taylor's willing to let Willie Anderson come give pointers and Frank Pollock's cool with it, they should do that because that would be awesome, right? I think that that uh, he would have something to offer the offensive line or Chad with the receivers, et cetera, et cetera. And TJ does work with the receivers, so why not bring him in to be an advisor in, in some of the off-season mini, pro, off-season mini camp programs that they do. I don't know. It's just an opportunity. One other thing that's coming up this year is, I believe, and some players mentioned this to Jeremy Rao when he was doing research when that Ring of Honor late leak happened. I think that it's the 40th anniversary coming up of the 1981 football season. Obviously, 40 years later, 2021. The Bengals went to the 1982 Super Bowl, played at the conclusion of the 1981 season. You might see them do something around that team. The last, or not the last, the first Bengal Super Bowl team. We'll see if they do anything with those guys to bring in the Ring of Honor this year. Next question is from Chico Ruiz on Twitter, at Chico Ruiz 2654. How would you rate Trey Hopkins as a guard compared to the other guards currently on the Bengals roster? Trey Hopkins is a guy that I think is actually best suited to play center. The the things that give Trey Hopkins the most problems at center are when he gets isolated and gets manned up with a guy that can get under him. And he he has issues with power from time to time. And, and you see that a lot from centers in the NFL. But centers in the NFL are very infrequently blocking one-on-one in pass protection. And so if you move him to guard... The, the risk that you run into there is he's going to be exposed a little bit more to being on an island with some of the three techniques in the AFC North, some of the Cam Hayward, some of the interior defensive linemen on other teams in the AFC North and around the league. At center, you're never getting manned up with a guy like Aaron Donald. If you're blocking Aaron Donald at center, it's part of a double team or you're helping or you have help. The risk at guard is that you end up in those isolated situations a little bit more. And I think that Trey is doesn't quite have the, the great physical tools. He's always gotten by on technique. And so you'd start to see him lose a little bit more in pass protection at guard. 
How does he stack up with some of the other guards on the roster? It's really hard to say. He hasn't played guard for quite a while, but he's not going to become a different player. The same strengths and weaknesses are going to be there in his game. He's really smart, and he, he's got, he, he gets by, like I said, he gets by on his technique. So he's going to get out physical to time, and that's just going to be a little bit more frequently if he's isolated a little bit more at guard. And th- this question's probably asked because the idea of high or of of signing a big time center, right? You know, a Corey Lindsley from the Packers. I, I think that will be at least discussed by the Bengals. And y- you just you wonder, oh well, they just signed Hopkins to an extension. Well, you, you really can't worry about that. You don't know when he's going to be back. So maybe the Bengals do say, hey, we'll figure out Hopkins when he gets healthy. We'll figure out price, you know, this year and we're not worried about it. If we can get a guy like Lindsley, we get him because he's a top interior lineman and he happens to play center. Who knows? Maybe that's the case. And they target him and not a, uh, a top guard. I, I wouldn't be shocked by it, but I certainly don't think that that's necessarily the plan. Uh, but if they did that, I wouldn't, wouldn't hate it. I mean, would you? No, I think Corey Lindsley makes the team better. The question then becomes, do you want to pay Trey Hopkins? Do you want to have a six and a half million cap number for Trey Hopkins this year? He's got a roster bonus of $750,000 is coming due pretty soon. So you have to make that decision pretty soon because otherwise that dead cap hit goes up. But if they do know that they want to go get better at center and they're going to be aggressive in the Corey Lindsley market, he's 30 years old, but still was very good. He, if he wasn't the best, he was certainly a top three center in the NFL last year for Green Bay. And if they want to get aggressive there, I wouldn't fault them for it, but they would need to make a choice about Trey Hopkins. Is this a guy that, that we think is going to be one of the five starters this year? Because they're they're paying him borderline starter money, like cheap starter money for interior offensive linemen. You're paying him a lot if you're adding a lot of money on the interior offensive line and you're still paying him to be a backup, I think. So at that point, it gets a little bit tricky. They, they do have an out next year, though. So, so the other thing that you could do is you could split the difference and say, Lindsley's the center. Hopkins, you're you're the swing guard backup center. We feel good about that once you're healthy. And and if they really like what Lindsley's doing and they've gotten better at guard by 2022, then then it's a much easier contract to get out of. It's a $1 million dead cap hit, $6 million of savings. So that is a decision the Bengals have to make there. If they were to pursue a center like Corey Lindsley, what do we do with Hopkins? I do think that he takes a little bit of a step back at guard. But he's still a pretty solid player. I think he would probably be an average guard, which is probably better than some of what the Bengals have done out there lately. So you could do worse than Trey Hopkins there if he's healthy. And James, unfortunately, that brings us to our last question of the weekend mailbag. Last but not least, Chris Turner at TurnCri on Twitter (laughs) wants to know, what is the bare minimum that the Bengals need to do this offseason for us to not rip them. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, there's a lot there. That's a loaded question. I'll go pretty general because, you know, we could get into contracts and how they structure contracts and all that stuff. And you and I have talked about that, right? And, and you've certainly been vocal and rightfully so. To me, at the bare minimum, they need to, at, I mean, at bare minimum, keep Carl Lawson, and if they don't keep William Jackson, bring someone in that isn't a corner at fifth overall 
that can take Jackson's spot that you feel okay about and, and then get the offense. This is all about Joe Burrow to me. Like, I, if the defense gives up 3,000 points next year, it doesn't matter as much as as keeping Joe Burrow upright and giving Joe Burrow the pieces to succeed. Like, that's just that's how I feel about it. So adding offensive line talent, adding Lindsley, sounds great. Adding Wagner. Imagine if you could add two Packers offensive linemen, that, former Packers offensive linemen. That'd be pretty cool. If Sewell's there and they love Sewell, then take him at five, right? But if not, you know, you, you can get a tackle in round two. Um, and do it that way. So to me, it's obviously you got to keep your best free agent. And I think it's Carl Lawson. I would keep Jackson too, but if we're doing minimum, keep Lawson potential replacement for Jackson, that isn't the fifth pick. And then really addressing the offensive line and giving Burrow more weapons because he, I, I I've seen this a lot, Jake. Oh, they have enough at receiver. Auden Tate can be your three. No, they do not have enough at wide receiver and don't say it because if it was anywhere else, that you know, if Tom Brady had these weapons, I promise you, he would be like, "Hey, I, I need some more weapons here. We need to add, right?" That's what, part of the reason why he left New England. And that that part of it, they they need to increase the weapons, the downfield speed. Heck, Brian Callahan said it on the podcast when we had him on. So that that at minimum is what I need to see because Burrow's the franchise, and I, I want him to to be happy and be set up for success moving forward. Yeah, that that's a key, right? Is is setting it up for setting the team up, setting Joe Burrow up for health and success. I don't disagree with anything you said. I'm just going to add a little bit here, which is to say that the bar is higher. The bar is higher than it has been in the past for this team right now because they've got a rookie on a a rookie quarterback on a contract that looks like he's going to be the guy for you. You've got a window opening here. This is a time to push this roster. And you've got the resources to do it. And that's why I've been vocal about the, ca- the, the contract structure stuff. If they don't do it smartly and they say, and they, and they point at their cap in two months and they say, hey, look, we spent up to $5 million away from our cap number and we were only able to do this. Then I'm going to come at them and say, you, 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 ca- you structured your contracts wrong. And so that's why I'm watching that one. But with you, generally speaking, improve the offensive line. Don't get worse on defense. Find a way to make this team better and make a playoff push because you have the money and the draft resources to make a major push in this offseason if you do it right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We're back with Mock Draft Monday after this weekend wraps up. Until then, Bengals fans, Hootay, and have a good one.